I want to start today's talk with 10 words. Let me give you these 10 words, and it's going to set the stage for what we're going to talk about. And today, I really believe that some ideas are going to change, some lives are going to change, because God's Word does that, right? His Word changes our minds, changes our hearts, and changes our lives. Here's the 10 words to get us going in the right direction. You ready? Here they are. Virus. Jobs. Election, mask, quarantine, Zoom, <laughs> virtual, debate, <laughs> division, argument. Don't we all just feel so cheerful right now? Yeah. <laughs> when we hear those words, it would be very easy for us to get a little uptight and just to kind of feel, oh, he's mentioning words that I didn't really want to hear at church. I wanted to hear about Jesus, you know, petting the lambs and something really soft, you know? <laughs> but that's the world that we live in today, and Jesus uh, never takes us out of the world. He says, you are not of the world, but you are in the world. And those words describe the world that we're in. God has us in this world by divine appointment. It's not by accident. It's not by accident that you live in this time period. It's not by accident that you were not born 200 years ago or 200 years from now, but you were born in the time in which you were born and you live in the time called right now. We learned back in November of last year when we talked for a month about anxiety. And we recognized the fact that anxiety, though termed a bad word or a stress-filled word, anxiety is actually not bad because anxiety is the feeling or sense of something that's going to happen in the future that you're not actually prepared for. And so we want our children to experience a little bit of anxiety when there's a test on Friday and they're not ready for it. That little bit of anxiety causes them to do what? Study. Y'all are, y'all are faith. Y'all have faith. <laughs> because you still have to tell that kid, go study, right? But we want them to, to think, you need to, I need to go study because I have a test on Friday. Well, Jesus gives us the gift of anxiety because there is an eternity coming and we need to be ready for it. And if we're not ready for it, we should experience anxiety. But anxiety taken too far causes us to be anxious about things we shouldn't be anxious about or be anxious to the wrong degree, whether less than or more than. Well, in the same word, these, in the same way, these words cause us to have a tension in our lives. Anxiety and tension, these things are, are what cause us to be depleted of our energy and even our mental capacities, even our ability to focus and concentrate if we're not aware that both anxiety and tension are actually good things. Bad tension is when we become uptight about something that we can do nothing about. That is a bad tension. When, when we're focused on something and we're feeling the stress and the strain of something that we actually have no control over whatsoever. Like what, how many people like you? 
how many people click like on your Facebook page. You have no control over that. Can I share with you something that gets a little heavy for just a moment? That there are a lot of teenagers and preteens today that are so worried about how many likes they get and how many people like them and what people think about them that it's causing them to live with such anxiety and such tension that they're taking actions that are very detrimental. In, since 2011, because of the tremendous rise with social media, the percentage of preteen girls who have started cutting themselves intentionally is up 180%. Suicide, attempted suicide is up 141%. Why? Because of anxiety and tension that they are feeling and experiencing, which is about something they have no control over at all. They're trying to control something that they have absolutely no control of whatsoever. I want to do something right now, and I may regret it later, but I want to encourage you to watch something called The Social Dilemma. It is on Netflix. You've probably just canceled your account, reactivate it, watch it, then cancel it again. It's called The Social Dilemma. I'm just going to leave that out there for you. I hope that you'll watch it, okay? Now, that's bad tension. When we're focused on something we can't have any control over, but there's good tension. There's actually tension that is good and brought to us by God. That's when we're challenged to solve a problem that we're actually supposed to solve. Tension is defined this way, the state of being stretched tight. The second definition is mental or emotional strain. Now, when reading those definitions, it's easy to say, well, that doesn't sound like God's will to me because I think God's supposed to give me a wonderful, light, happy life where everything's great and wonderful. And, and yet, let's look at the Word of God and find out what does God say about us being tense, about us being stretched. Remember, tension is about being stretched. You have your Bibles, you have your, your, your phone or your tablet or whatever you've got. Please turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 9. Luke, chapter number 9, and we're going to read this portion of Scripture where Jesus is giving his disciples some tension. And we are his disciples today in 2020, and there is tension. And so if we don't know how to manage this tension, it can be detrimental. But God's given us a way to manage it. How many of you say, man, that's good news. I want to learn how to manage tension because we're all in the middle of it. So that's what we're going to learn about, learn today. Luke chapter number nine, and let's read verses one through six, and then we'll skip down to 10 through 17. It says, when Jesus had called the 12, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. How many of you think that might have caused a little bit of tension? Maybe. Verse number three. And he told them, um, oh, by the way, you can't take anything with you. You can't take your staff. You can't take your suitcase, 
you can't even take any food. And by the way, leave all your money at home. And in case you're tempted, don't even bring an extra shirt. Can anybody feel the tension? He's saying, I'm, you guys have seen me doing this. You've seen me casting out demons. You've seen me healing. And now it's your turn. And I'm sending you guys out. I won't be there. You're going. And by the way, you can't take anything with you. What is he doing? He's saying, I have stretched you so far by being with me while I did these things, now I'm stretching you even more because you're gonna do it and I'm not gonna be there. And any trappings, any crutches that you might depend on are eliminated. You can't have them. Well, let's keep reading. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. He's stretching them even more. You guys are going to have to make the decision about whether these people that you're talking to are listening or not. Are they receptive to the kingdom or not? Verse 6, so they set out, they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Let's skip down to verse number 10. This is when the, the apostles return. Verse number 10, when the apostles return, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them <clears throat> about the kingdom of God <clears throat> and healed those who needed healing. Now, late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him, Jesus, and said, Hey, send the crowd away. So they can go to surrounding village and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. I wonder if the disciples were thinking to themselves, uh, Jesus, didn't you just read verse number 12? This is a remote place. He said, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, it's like 5,000 men. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. And the disciples did so. And everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Jesus is placing his disciples in a place of tension. He's putting them into a place where they're going to go talk to new people about new things and make the decision about whether a person is under the demonic influence or whether they are simply sick in, phys in, in, in their physical body or in their minds. They're having to make that determination. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to minister to people. He says, but you can't take anything with you. They come back and they report to Jesus what they had done. Sources of tension in our lives start off like this. First off is just maturity. As you grow in maturity, it, it's as a result of dealing with tension. 
such as your fourth grader has a math test on Friday that causes a little tension. They're being stretched to learn more math than they knew before. We experience tension as we grow up into adulthood. That's what adulthood is, right? It's like being able to handle stuff, being able to do stuff. It's not just that you learn that the volume on the stereo goes to the left and not just to the right. Maturity is when you can handle stuff. And you can't handle stuff unless you're given stuff. And you take on that responsibility. So that causes tension. When we mature in Christ, it causes tension. Because our theology is changing and our methodology is changing and everything is changing because we're growing in our relationship with Him. Any relationship that grows is in part a result of tension. Your ministry, every one of us have ministry. Every one of us do ministry. We, 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 we talk about the ministry as evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and certainly that's okay, but every one of us have ministry because where you work is by divine appointment. It's not by accident that you work where you work, when you work, with who you work, because those people that are around you are your ministry. You're to minister to them, just as the disciples were sent out. Monday through Friday, you get sent out to minister to people. And right now you're going, I'm going to pray for a new ministry. I don't like the people Jesus wants me to minister to. Well, if they get saved, you'll like them more, right? Some of them are saved, and I still don't like them. Well, I can't deal with that. I can't help you with that. In order for you to advance in your ministry or your career, then you've got to take on more and more responsibilities. We hear, we, we hear a lot sometimes about, well, you can't raise a family on minimum wage. Well, that's right. You're not supposed to. That's a starting wage. After you've worked at a job for a few months making minimum wage, you should be making more. Amen. That was, that was good. That was good <laughs> preaching. It was the right thing to say. Marriage. Marriage causes tension, right? And, and only the single people are going, what is he talking about? All the married people are going, yeah, you're right. It causes tension because you got two autonomous lives blending into one and there's going to be some friction there, right? There's going to be some tension there, but it causes us to mature because suddenly men begin to realize that they are not the center of the universe. Thank you. One feminine amen back there. We cannot stay the same and be happily married. We've got to change. We've got to be stretched and pulled. Raising children. Now we're talking tension. Right? Yeah, and, there, and, there, and there's tension when you've got children in the home. And I, uh, I look at the tension being a little different uh, with subsequent children. The firstborn child is a joy to the parents. You know, the kid says, boo. Oh, call grandma. She wants to hear that. You know, the kid takes, a, you know, starts walking. They've got cameras in 14 different directions. You know, they're catching it from every dimension. The fourth child comes along. Oh, look at him. He's walking. It looks like he's been doing that for a while. It's been two weeks. Oh, man, another kid to chase. Oh, That's the fourth child. There's different levels of tension with every child. The first one's, yay, 
right. The fourth one's like, oh, man. Okay. And then, of course, there's tension from bad people. You know what, who bad people are, right? That's the people who don't agree with you. There's tension when we are shifting our theology. And when I say shifting, I'm not talking about lateral. I'm talking about a, a greater biblical theology. Theology is what you think about God. It's God thought. God thought. Okay. So theology, when you change your theology, it's because you have some tension. You're going like, wow, I, I didn't know the Bible said that. I didn't know that was a teaching that Jesus gave us. And all of a sudden, we're, we're having that tension of growing. Some of you right now are experiencing tension because maybe for the first time in your life, you've, you've come to a, a Assembly of God church, a Pentecostal church, you're, you, you're, you maybe a church where you're not used to praising God with this level of excitement. I'm not saying we're the most exciting church in the planet, but at this level. So there's tension there because you're growing theologically. There's, there's tension with methodology of finding new ways to reach people for Christ. And the older we get, we don't have any old people at Hope Crossings, but the older we get, the more we've got to look to the young for methodology because we're trying to reach people who have not yet been reached. We welcome all people to Hope Crossings, but we understand uh, the law of averages says the younger are those who are coming to Christ, and that's been throughout all history. And, and there's tension also in moneyology. I just made that word up. Um, what we do with our money. There's always going to be that tension because life changes and we go through different seasons of our life and we do different things with our money. But what is the benefit from tension? First off, you begin to fulfill your purpose. Just as the disciples did, they had a purpose to fulfill and it caused them to be stretched. And that's what tension does. It causes us to step into the fulfillment of our purpose. And you are then able to fulfill a larger purpose. Now, obviously, the illustration of a rubber band, it works very well in this place. It does have some limitations, but a rubber band is, what is it for? It's to hold something together. It's to accomplish something, but it takes a stretching of the rubber band to make it happen. And if I had a rubber band that's like this big and I had three pencils, that's not going to work. A rubber band is made to go larger than what it presently is. That's its purpose. So as we stretch and grow over our lifetime, we learn that we can handle more than what we could handle before. We can do more ministry than what we could do before. But the problem comes is when, if all we are is stretched all the time about everything Night and day, we become weak. And I don't want to say useless, but we become so weak that we can't even handle what we used to be able to handle because we're just stretched all of the time. It might be your workload. It might be your social media um, responses. It might be trying to control things that you have no business controlling and you can't control anyway. It might be those things that are causing you to feel like I'm just stretched all the time. I feel like I'm, I'm just absolutely at a breaking point all the time. I'm that rubber band that is just trying to handle so much and 
tried to encapsulate so much that I feel like I could just snap at any moment. But is that the way Jesus wants us to live? I submit to you, no. Let's take a look at, again, what Jesus said and did with his disciples. What is the process to keep us healthy through these tense situations? A life of ministry, a life of stretching, and yet how do we manage that? The first thing is, is that we must recognize and do what we're called to do. Yes, we, we are that people who are stretched in order to do what God's called us to do. He always calls us to do more than what we can. Therefore, we don't take credit for it. Therefore, we can't get to the end and say, yeah, I did that. I was good. We get to the end and say, man, God did that. Whatever it was, God did that. He used me, but God did that because it's his power. Paul was so, so powerful in that truth. He constantly was saying, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to boast in the fact that I have no business being an apostle because I persecuted the church. I'm going to boast in the fact that I've been beaten up and shipwrecked and nearly dead. It, that I'm just going to boast in all my weaknesses so that your faith and confidence is not in me, but it's in the God who makes all things happen. And so when we, when we are stretched, it is because we are recognizing and doing the very thing that God wants us to do. But the second part of it is recovery. And I think that's what many people, and I'm going to just going to say many Americans are really terrible at, and that's recovery. You remember what Jesus did? He says, okay, guys, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go out and do the deal, and you're not going to take anything with you. But when they came back and reported to Jesus what they had done, then what was the next thing that happened? They went aside to a deserted place by themselves. There was that time of refreshing where they just said, you know what, I've, I've got to just recover from what just happened. We see this in Jesus' life all the time. Even early in the morning, the disciples would wake up, you know, taking the sleep out of their eyes and look around. It's like, he's gone again. He's gone somewhere by himself to pray. What was he doing? He was recovering. There was physical sleep that was needed, but there was also time with the Father and the Holy Spirit that he said, I, I need the refreshing. I've been giving and giving and giving and giving. I've been healing and casting out demons. Lord, I, Father, I just need that recovery in my life. Are you experiencing recovery in your life? What are you doing to recover? What are you doing to, to let the, ru the rubber band come back? What, what are you doing to say, okay, I'm, I'm getting away. I'm getting away with Christ. I'm, I'm getting away to do something fun. What are you doing for recovery? See, God set this thing up 6,000 years ago. He said, listen, every seven days, you're going to take a day off. It's called the Sabbath. Every seven days, you're going to take a day off. You don't do anything. And we need those times of just simple recovery. What are you doing to recover? Are you in God's word? Are you saying, I, I, I need to get fed here. I'm, I'm giving out to my family and I'm giving out to work and I'm giving out and I'm, I'm ministering. You're supposed to do that. Don't stop. But just find places to recover. Find that Sabbath. Find that place where you're just able to say, I, I'm, I'm receiving now. I'm absorbing. And can I just add this? And I, I, I'm going to make an assumption, and if it's not 
conducive for you, then just blow this off, okay? But stop feeling guilty for taking some time off. That's America, isn't it? Am I the only sinner in here? You know, because when I, when I just feel like relaxing and just want to veg, I'm just like, oh, I really should be doing something. We've got to take some recovery. Sorry, right, I'm going I'm to recover. Okay, so the third thing is to re-energize. What is the process and purpose of recovery? What, what, what is the, is, is it just that we just veg out and watch TV? No, but there's a recovery. There's a re-energizing by the Holy Spirit. What was Jesus doing when he went off by himself into a, a deserted place by himself to pray? He was being re-energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit descending on him and Luke 4 and Matthew 4 at his water baptism where when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him and he received that anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is the next thing Jesus did after his baptism? It says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He said, I've, I've empowered you, now I'm going to stretch you. We're going to test this empowerment. See, God empowers us, and then he says, I've empowered you for a purpose and a reason, and it's going to stretch. But then when you've stretched, you've got to go, okay, now I need to recover. I need to, to, to come back into strength again. So why? So that I can do more. And then I pull back a little bit. Why? So we can do, and it's over the course of a lifetime that this happens. See, Americans, we tend to think very laterally, you know, you're, you're born, you're a child, a teenager, a 20s and 30s and 40s, and then, and we just think this way. But that's kind of a new concept of, of looking at our lives. Most of the time and for thousands of years and even in cultures today, people don't look at their life in that type of a situation. They look at their life in a circle. It's seasons. It's called the, the season of plowing and planting. And the, the season of watering and weeding, and the season of harvest, and then the season of rest. And it's more like this, not like this. They understand everything has a point and a season and a time, including the season where you're not plowing and planting, you're letting the soil rest, and you and I need to rest. And the process of rest is so that we can have that time with the Holy Spirit to bring a re-energizing, a reinvigoration of our lives so that we are constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit in those moments. But thirdly, it's re-engagement. Or fourthly, I'm sorry, re-engagement. Look, look at what happens here. It's beautiful. Jesus says, you guys have been watching me. Now you're going to do it. Don't take anything with you. They come back to Jesus. He goes, great job, guys. Let's go off to a deserted place. You can get re-energized. But the crowds followed them. And what happens? Jesus begins to teach them and heal them and cast out demons. The disciples come and say, we, we, we really liked that rest. Could we do some rest again? We were, we were getting used to that rest. Could you send all these people away? Because we want to rest again. And Jesus said, You feed them. He stretched them. He let them come back. Now he's stretching them again. See, some people get stuck in the rest cycle. It's like the rinse cycle. They get stuck. They're like, man, I, that, was, that was tense. That was awesome. It was crazy. Man, I've, I'm exhausted. I'm going to rest. And they become addicted to rest. 
And God says, no, rest has a purpose so that you're re-energized to do more. And after you've done more, then you come back and rest again to get re-energized to do, and you see what we're, we're, where this goes. That's where he's called us to do. He always is saying, I want you to do more, but it's not a continuation. It is a cycle. Go, do, rest, re-energize, re-engage. Do the work of ministry. Pull back, deserted place, rest, re-energize, do some more work of ministry. And that's what he's called us to. Where are you at in this situation? Have you neglected ministry, period? Have you neglected the rest time, the refreshing time? Have you neglected being re-energized by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life to re-energize me. Lord, I need you to fill me. I feel like I've completely drained and given everything out. Lord, would you fill me with your spirit so that I can be re-energized, so I can re-engage in a greater ministry than ever before? That's called maturity. That's the life of a Christian. And now today, we have an opportunity to pray and say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Tension is real, and we're having to deal with it. And you will always deal with it. The question is, how will you deal with it? How will I deal with it? And God says, I'm going to put you in places of tension to stretch you so that you will understand I, God in you can do more than you can by yourself. But in that time of tension and stretch, he says, okay, now rest, re-energize, and then re-engage. Some of you might have been kind of stuck in the rest cycle. And God is saying, I want you to re-engage. I want you to re-engage with my power, my Holy Spirit, because God says, my power is working greatly in you. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that works within you. So where are you? See, Jesus Christ dying on the cross makes it possible for you to live the best life you could ever live. It is the power of the Holy Spirit given out on the day of Pentecost that causes you to live that life with power. And so that when you get to the end, you'll look back and you'll go, wow, look at what God did through my life. Look at what God did through stretching me and pulling me. And at the time, it was so uncomfortable. Now that I look back, and when I was in my 20s, God asked me to do that. Man, I thought it was the end of the world. I thought, wow, it wasn't that big. Because when I was in my late 20s, I was doing something bigger. In my 30s, it was even larger than that. In my 40s, because God stretches us. But he wants you to rest and recover and re-energize so that you can re-engage. Where are you at? I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. God is doing something awesome in Jackson County and he's using Hope Crossings and other churches to do something amazing. And we need to know the cycle. We need to know ministry, engagement, but pull back, rest, re-energize, and then re-engage. Are you getting ready for the next thing God is wanting you to do? Have you rested enough? Have you re-engaged? Have you, have you re-energized so that you can re-engage. That's what I hope. That's my prayer.